We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers basketball? Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. I am your host for today, Tim. You may know me as Cranjus McBasketball on Twitter, and Lakers basketball is among us. It is Monday, October 3rd, and the Lakers played the Kings tonight in their first preseason game. That game is on Spectrum. It's on NBA TV, which you can now get through League Pass, which is fantastic. It used to be a separate thing, so that was annoying, but uh, everyone can come watch this game. It's going to be a blast. Uh, well, let's hope it's a blast. Let's hope it's not like the uh, the game the Suns had last night where they lost to a an Australian team. Uh, but the Lakers play the Kings. Nice little uh, rivalry to open things up. It's looking like all three of the Laker uh, star players will be playing. Monty Walker will be out. Trey Brown Jr. will be out. That's not all that surprising. Anthony Davis is probable with, a, with some back tightness, which, you know, on its own, no big deal. I'd expect him to play. Uh, and especially if he does play, given that this is a game that doesn't matter, I'd say that's particularly encouraging. Now, if he does go from prob- probable to out, that would be concerning. And of anyone on the roster, I guess him and LeBron are the two guys that, like, anytime they show up at all, 
people are going to say, oh, of course, here we go again. So not a great way to start out, I'd say, but I expect him to play. Um, it should be a fun time. We'll be streaming that game through playback, which I'll talk about a bit later, but that game's coming up tonight, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, 10.30 Eastern. A little bit of a late game for me here in Texas, but very excited for that first game. Now, Tom is not with me today. I uh, We didn't get a chance to connect this weekend, but wanted to share some of my thoughts on what we've seen from the film that's come out so far. A little you know, word from camp, uh, what should we expect tonight, what to watch for, and then talk about playback a bit. So let's start out with what's come out of camp so far. Uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Everyone that a player or coach has been asked about has been given praise. Literally all of them. Uh, LeBron, AD, Russ, Reeves, Nunn, uh, Bryant, Jones, Walker. It doesn't matter who you ask about. You're going to hear a positive response. And that shouldn't surprise anybody. So I wouldn't get, you know, oh, wow, they said this guy's playing well. That must mean he's, you know, way better than we thought. You know, take it easy. Let's see them play in a real competition not in edited videos where we're only seeing makes from the Lakers account or from, you know, five, you know, five, 10, 20 second video clips of a scrimmage. Uh, I'm hoping the vibes are good. The vibes seem to be good. They seem to be better than some other camps that I've been hearing about, but it's early. Let's see this team play another real team on TV tonight before we uh, start saying, Oh, you know what? Lonnie Walker is a lockdown defender, which Darvin Ham said the other day. Uh, so, you know, give it a minute, but that is good. The vibes are good, and we like that. Uh, the team has been mixing up the starting lineup pretty much daily, but as of several days ago, Kendrick Nunn and Damian Jones were the two guys that Ham listed as playing most with the big three. Uh, the way that the question was posed was, like, which which guys are playing the most with that trio, and that, that's what was said. Um, which group has started most together after, like, two days of camp? from my perspective, shouldn't be interpreted as Ham's preferred starting lineup, you know, game one of the regular season. Uh, it's very early. Don't want to overreact too much. Another reason I wouldn't overreact is because from what I'm hearing, it's not that that five-man group has been, you know, the starting group for like 80% of the time. If that were the case, I'd be talking about this a little differently. I'm told it's been more evenly split. So maybe that starting five has been the starting five for like 30% of the time. And then the other 70% has been split between four or five other groupings. Uh, so for that group, we have Nunn and Russ in the backcourt. There have been ones with uh, Russ and Reeves, Russ and Bev, which interestingly, Ham said that they didn't run, but we have, we have video of them running it. Um, you know, Reeves and Nunn, they, they've tried all sorts of different things in the backcourt. AD and LeBron have been in their spots. And then we've seen a good mix of Jones and Bryant as well. So I think the headlines coming out of camp could be, you know, it could go, could go a couple different ways. It could be, hey, they have their starting lineup, which I don't know is correct. Or it could be, you know, the Lakers are experimenting with Russell Westbrook off the bench, which we haven't seen yet. But, you know, it, it's not like they haven't tried that out. So we'll see what happens. I'd say the situation is pretty fluid. I would imagine that over the four different uh, or over the six different preseason games, I would expect to see about four different starting lineups. I think between guys resting and the team just wanting to try different things out, I am hoping they lean into this opportunity to get good volume of reps and see these guys respond in real competitive basketball against another team, not just in practice. And, uh, you know, take uh, collect all the info you can right now. This is a new coaching staff with a new roster. They have a lot of new combos of players. 
you can say, hey, this is what I think makes the most sense on paper. And, you know, I've certainly done that. Tom's certainly done that. I'm sure the, the coaching staff has had their, hey, this is maybe what we expect. And that might have been what, you know, gets to a, a Zach Lowe or a Jovan Buha. But how these guys are actually playing in training camp on a day-to-day basis can impact things. You know, we think Thomas Bryant might be a floor spacer. That's why we went and got him. Has he been? Because if Jones is the guy that they're leaning on to, you know, they're leaning towards to start at this point, that means that the shooting from the perimeter between the two of them hasn't been all that different so far. Because when you look at the, across the rest of the, their games, Jones is the better player. So if Bryant isn't hitting his threes, or both of them are hitting their threes, Jones is the guy you should be leaning on. And so I would look at them having Jones in that starting group, not as like, hey, the Lakers don't understand spacing, but more, you know, speaking to how those guys have been shooting so far. So reading between tea leaves, uh, we don't have much information. That's just the nature of this time of year. But I would say, you know, don't get upset or too excited about any particular starting five we see over preseason. They should be throwing different things at the wall, trying to, you know, collect info, see how it looks. Preseason does matter. I'd say, you know, we'll often say, hey, you know, the final score doesn't matter. And to an extent, it doesn't. But it's also something that, you know, looking at people uh, like Kosta Medvedovsky, who was the creator of, of the Darko metric and, and evaluation system, he's done a lot of research on looking at uh, preseason games and how teams perform in them. And, like, if you're getting crushed every single game like the Lakers did last year, that is actually a pretty bad sign for the season. If you're doing really well, it's a pretty good sign for the season. And, you know, there's a good bit of variance there. But we want this team to look competitive. We want them to look coherent look competent, you know, have guys be healthy. That, you know, matters then a bit more than I would have expected before I took a look at that research. I'll, I'll try to find that and link that to this when I tweet this out. But that was a bit eye-opening to me. So hearing different things from camp, uh, you know, various guys looking good, not too many guys looking poor, uh, but that's to be expected. Now, we have seen a bit of film come out from camp so far. We've seen the Lakers Twitter account tweeting out short videos with a mix of like, you know, guys stretching, uh, uncontested layup line, warm up type drills, individual work, uh, competitive drills where they had a red team versus a purple team versus a gray team. Uh, and then scrimmage film where it was a purple versus gray. It seems like when they have the, the competitive drills, like their cutthroat drill or other ones like that, where, you know, you've got several teams going at it. They have groups of five to six players on each team, and you can have three to four teams depending on how many guys are healthy in there. Like, Schroeder hasn't been in the building. Uh, Walker sat out a lot of these. Troy Brown Jr. sat out a lot of these. Um, Cole Swider was somebody we didn't see in film, like video, the first couple days, and then we saw him in the scrimmage that came out most recently. So, who's available dictates how many teams they could run, but between three to four teams, going through drills, keeping scoring. I like that for cutthroat along with other drills. They're doing what most teams do, frankly, which is uh, when when the defense, for defensive-minded coaches, when they run these drills, there's still an offense versus a defense, but you get points when you get a stop. Um, so that'll be, you know, they're, they're doing those little things to try to instill that defensive mindset. I like it. Got nothing wrong, you know, no problem with that. Um, so those are the kinds of things that we've been seeing. I've gone through every one of those videos frame by frame trying to say see who's playing who's on which team 
you know, what's going on? How is the team using players? Because I think that matters more than are the shots going in or not, especially from the Lakers' Twitter account. They're not going to be showing the shots that didn't go in. Uh, if we see, you know, someone make a move and then they cut to the next clip, it's probably because he missed a shot. But right now, I, there's no point in overreacting to, you know, tiny, tiny samples of film we see through the Lakers or elsewhere. How the team is using guys is interesting to me, though. So that is, you know, uh, maybe something, maybe nothing, but we'll get into that in a second. So those are some of the, the clips we've seen. And then also the Lakers had an open, I don't know if opens right where, but there was a scrimmage. There were some people there watching it. Lakers media was able to get in there and I don't know why this was the case exactly, but it seemed like every media person got video of it, but no, no more than like two or three plays. So piecing that together, uh, we, you know, we saw maybe, I don't know, 10 possessions total, something like that. So really nothing. But again, we got to see how guys were being used, who was matching up with who, that sort of stuff. So from that film, and, and you can go check all of that out yourself and really dive into it. I'm not going to overreact to, to you know makes or misses, but let's play a little game called Something or Nothing. I'll list the topic and then give my perspective on like, hey, this I think this is actually something. There's something here. Or, you know, this is nothing. Don't overreact. Let's start with the Lakers bricking their jumpers. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this is nothing. I don't feel great about the team's three-point shooting, given how guys have played in past years. Uh, and you know last season but reading into like less than 10 jump shots collectively for a 15-man roster is a bad idea so I'm not worried about like LeBron clanging a, a three off the rim or Russ airballing a three I don't you know if they were making all those shots or if they missed all those shots I don't think we should overreact to that it's a tiny 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 sample now if we had scrimmage film for every single day of practice and it were like 10 minutes each, each time yeah then then there might be something to work off of and that's Kind of what we're going to get with preseason games is, you know, larger volumes of film to dig into. Uh, but just, you know, a couple of misses here there. I don't I don't really care. Next one, Russ being a willing screener. We saw two, I think, in the video that came out. Uh, one where there was like a guard to guard handoff, basically, and that was switched. And then one where he screened for LeBron. I'm going to say this is something, again, we haven't seen a lot of film. So this may be something they do every other play. It might be something they do every 10 minutes. But Russ didn't screen all that much last year in the regular season at all. So him being a willing screener, I think, is a good sign. I think it speaks to the interchangeability, the positionless uh, basketball that the team is trying to run. They've got, you know, everybody can be a screener, a ball handler, all these different things. And... I want to see more of Russ screening, not just because I'm saying Russ needs to be a screener, but he's someone that is a good playmaker and can attack the rim well. And if you can get him screening for LeBron, anytime you have an inverted ball screen where the, a guard is screening for a, a big man or a wing, the defense has really two options. Either they're going to switch or they're going to show and recover. They're not going to you know, run drop coverage. They're not really going to be running catch hedges. Either Russ's man's going to step out aggressively towards LeBron and try to make him hesitate for a second and then turn around and recover to Russ, or we're going to get a switch. If we get a switch, we're probably going to have a mismatch to attack. If we don't get a switch and we've got that shown recover, you have a nice uh, you know, little pocket pass window there to pass to Russell Westbrook in the short roll. He's not rolling all the way to the rim and then catching the ball. He's catching the ball pretty quickly after he screens, and at that point, his man's behind him, and uh, LeBron's behind him, LeBron's man's behind him, and so Russ is looking to get to the rim. He's probably catching inside the three-point line. 
in a 4v3. And those should be good situations for the Lakers. If they are not, they have huge, huge problems this year. But that should be an advantageous situation and one that they should be pursuing. So the fact that, you know, and maybe Jovan and others saw more than we did with the video clips. He said he saw Russ as a willing screener. I think that's a good sign. I expect we're going to see similar things from Nunn and Reeves and Beverly and, and the other guards as well. The other part of this is with Russ, with Jones, with Bryant, with any of the guys that were iffy on their three-point shooting, the more they screen, the more they're making themselves useful offensively. If you are a, especially if in a five-out setup, which we've seen some of already in the clips, or you're running four-out one-in or four-out one-dunker, which we expect to see a lot of from the Lakers, the Lakers have guys out there that aren't great three-point shooters. They might hit some three sometimes, but that's not a very high bar. Um, so you won't have much gravity if you're, you know, making 33s in a whole season on like 33%. Uh, so that can be detrimental to the offense if your defender is sagging off of you to disrupt drive, disrupt rollers, other things, you know, post-ups, isolations. That's bad. Now, we can kick it out to you and you might turn down an open three or you might brick an open three or you might make an open three, you know, sometimes. And that's all right, I guess. But a better way to use those players being sagged off of on the perimeter is to use them as screeners, either in dribble handoffs or just outright, you know, set a ball screen or set an off ball screen. Because that, you know, takes their defender who was in a pretty good position, sagging off of them, and now puts them out of position to defend an action, a screening action. And we have a 2v1 around the screen. So if you can have Russell Westbrook setting a screen for LeBron or Damian Jones setting a screen for LeBron, and there's only one defender in the action, they might get a really easy, you know, head of steam going downhill, or they might get a really easy, like, pull-up three with no contest. So using Russ and others as active screeners, I think, is a good sign. We've seen a lot of dribble handoffs as well. Um, you know, bigs for guards, guards for guards. I think that fits into this also. So that's, that's exciting to me. Next thing, Russ defending at the point of attack. This, to me, uh, I'll say is... I mean, it's something, but I'm going to say nothing in that I don't expect it to carry into the regular season and be what his job is this year. For some background, Russell Westbrook, every year of his career prior to last season, was in a point of attack defensive role. Now, this didn't mean every single play he was guarding the other team's, you know, player initiating the offense. Nobody has one role all year, unless you're playing two minutes. Russ played like 2,700 minutes last year. Most of the time, he was in that job. Sometimes he defended twos, threes, fours, fives, ones. He defended threes an awful lot, then twos, then ones in terms of most frequent positions. Um, in prior seasons, he was guarding ones and twos, and he was primarily an, an on-ball defensive player. Last season, he was not a point-of-attack defender. He was in a helper role, meaning he was away from the ball. Generally, guys in that role are guarding threes or fours. He was guarding threes mostly, and he wasn't in an on-ball wing-stopper role. He did sometimes, and you know, there, you know, you can you can find highlights of him guarding Jason Tatum for like three possessions, or guarding Kevin Durant probably for a play, or guarding you know whoever you want for a couple plays because he played twenty seven hundred minutes. But most of the time, he was an off ball wing defender in a position that put him responsible more for rotating, rotating and rebounding than it did for him to guard on ball. That was the first time in his career that happened. Players in that role don't generally succeed if they're Russ's size. He's too small for that. You're not going to be an effective, you know, secondary rim protector when you're 6'3". So that's a problem, and his defensive impact took a nosedive. 
so far from the film we've seen come out of Lakers training camp, we've seen Russ defending Reeves at the point of attack, Beverly at the point of attack. Uh, I think we might have seen him defend Nunn a little. Um, we saw him defending uh, Scottie Pippen, I believe. And part of this could be that, I mean, some of these groupings, I mean, there were, there were a couple of times where, like, Reeves was the, the lead ball handler because he was in there with, like, two centers and two forwards. And it was like, all right, well, he's going to have to you know, handle the ball. Um, and I do believe, you know, they have been leaning on him more as a ball handler. I believe in that. But there are some of these things that are just, you know, given the group of five you have out there, you need to do it. There were some groups with Russ where, like, he needed to be the point of attack defender. Um, in several of these clips, we've seen him, like, nearly fall down trying to defend. We've seen him die on screens. And it's been, like, you know, again, like 20 clips. So I don't want to overreact to that, but I think my starting point for expectations in terms of how effectively he'll guard at the point of attack is low. Last year, it was so low that they had to move him away. They had to put him in a position he would not succeed because he's too short for it. doesn't rotate crisply enough for it. But they knew that was better than him defending at the point of attack. That's how poorly he was, he was, he was defending there. So the fact that the team has him so far defending at point of attack, it means something. It means that they're giving it a try. <laughs> from our tiny sample, it hasn't looked great. Don't want to overreact to that, but I would expect, barring massive improvement from him, that the team in the next week or two will realize, okay, we, we can't actually do this with this guy. We need Nunn or Beverly or Reeves or whoever it is, they'll defend our point of attack. He's going to be an off-ball guard or off-ball wing defender. I My guess is give it a week by like the third or fourth preseason game, I don't think we're going to see him defending at the point of attack. At the latest, um, it might happen from game one. We'll see. So I'll say nothing for that. Okay, next one, that the center field ball screen coverage will be the team's main coverage. This uh, basically was explained by Darvin Ham as the drop coverage, the no-man drop coverage that the Bucks ran. Um, the Lakers have run this. This isn't new. This was their base ball screen coverage the year they won the title. It's something that you know, requires less rotating. It, it puts more uh, pressure on your, you know, rim protecting, dropping bigs, as well as your ball screen navigating guards. And so those are two key skills that we're going to need to keep an eye out for. Um, it's not a great fit with Damian Jones. It's not the best way to use Anthony Davis. Uh, it's okay with Thomas Bryant, but he's not particularly good at it. Um, I don't, I, I don't love this. I don't I don't think this should be something that they're doing like 80% of the time. I don't think it will be. The last year with Milwaukee, we see them be very versatile in terms of what coverages they ran. And that is my expectation this year is they're going to start with this, but then they're going to diversify and build out the other coverages. So I'm going to say this is nothing. In my notes, I wrote down something. I'm going to change it to nothing because I, while I do believe them and I think we are going to see this be what they run now, for you know, today, preseason game one, two, three, probably, they will be building out the others. If they don't, this isn't a title contender. You need to be able to diversify the coverages you run. This was a key component of what made Ham successful in Milwaukee. If he's not bringing that, you know, variability game to game, you know, where you are constantly game planning against what's, you know, the other team is good and bad against, um, if you're not taking that into consideration and you're just you know, playing your same card no matter what's happening on on the other side from the other sideline, then I, I'm a little bit down on this team. So I, I believe that's what we're going to see at the start, and then I think we're going to see it build out into other coverages over time.
Next thing, the four out one in is a game changer. So sort of, maybe, yes or no. I'm going to say nothing for this based on just that. We need the details. The Lakers under Vogel ran four out one in. Um, pick just about any team in the NBA, they run four out one in. Pick most college teams, they run four out one in. Pick most high school teams, they run four out one in. doesn't really mean anything. It's an alignment. It's a formation. This is like saying the Lakers run the shotgun offense in football. Like it, it doesn't really, yeah, everybody does. <laughs> it doesn't really tell us anything. It's... What do you do within that? What actions are you running? What concepts are you throwing at the defense? How are you play calling? How are you using your personnel? All of the points that will differentiate Ham's scheme from Vogel's scheme are deeper than the alignment they're running. So I don't talk like I, I, some people are talking about this like it is a, a specific offense. Like the corner offense is an offense. The triangle offense is an offense. The four one in is is a formation. That's an alignment. Horns is an alignment. Five out is an alignment. Um, and like over the course of the season, you know, you might say, Hey, you know, you, how like things are, the Lakers are running their five out offense, but it's not the five out offense. It's not the four out one in offense. It's, you know, those can be very, very different things. So pump the brakes a little bit here. We need to see what this looks like exactly. Um, but this isn't, you're not going to like go Google, Hey, what's the four out one in offense and find a PDF that's going to show you what Darvin Ham's going to be running. You're going to find a bunch of different stuff that show all sorts of different things. So that's something or nothing. I thought that'd be a little fun. Um, last couple notes from an X's and O's standpoint with what we've seen so far from film. I'd mentioned earlier, we've seen a good number of dribble handoffs. I like this for the reason I mentioned earlier where we are getting non-shooters or you know not reliable shooters in screening positions to take advantage of their men potentially being you know sagged off of them. If, you, if this is enough of what you do, if this is built into your offense and it's more than something you do occasionally, that means that guys like Thomas Bryant, Damian Jones, Russell Westbrook, as off-ball players, will have higher gravity than they otherwise would. So that's good. You're manufacturing gravity for players who their shooting shouldn't really dictate it. And that's a good thing to me. Um, we've seen a number of times where uh, a big man dribbles the ball up the court and then passes over to like a guard at the top of the key or the other slot, and then screens away, sets a down screen, and then that flows into a dribble handoff. This is called Chicago action. You'll hear it called Zoom action. Same thing. Um, we've seen this several times. We saw it practiced as a practice drill for like Troy Brown Jr. He uh, saw like a after practice, you know, thing where that you know he ran that for like five minutes. Um, I expect this to be a common action within the offense, and I'm good with that. It's not unique. It's not, you know, the Lakers ran this under Vogel. Um, exactly how you run it, when you run it, who you run it with matters. What you do weak side with this matters. I'm okay with it. It's not differentiating. It's not awful. It's fine. But it's a good way to use non-screening bigs. We've also seen a number of guard-to-guard -guard handoffs and ball screens, mostly just resulting in switches. Uh, and you can attack switches with slips if you're in and that's something that you generally want to have a, a larger receiver for um it's harder to like there are certain throws in football you throw to your like sneaky slot guys who are shorter and quicker then there are types of throws you throw to your you know big tall receivers go go win a jump ball this is more of like a jump ball kind of read um it, you know lobbing the ball over the top to a guy slipping that's not ideal um well, like I mentioned earlier with the inverted ball screens, if you get shown recover defense, you know, get that pocket pass. That's more of a, you know, little man kind of re reception. 
But uh, I like slips more for my bigs and maybe my wings more than my guards. We'll see if they can make it work. Um, mostly what we have seen them do instead is, you know, guard dribbles out of guard, hands it off to them, flips it to them, whatever. And if the defense, you know, doesn't immediately get in position, that turns into a just basically a catch and shoot through it. And that's fine. Um, if the defense really shows hard on it, they miscommunicate, two guys go at it, you can hit the screener or you know, you could drive at that, you know, attack a closeout basically, but there's some traffic right in front of you. So we have to see exactly what they plan to do with this. It's again, fine, not a game changer for me. Um, you might be able to just really quickly get some different matchups in terms of which guards are guarding get which guards from defenses, which, you know, marginal little uh, improvements on a possession to possession basis. This could be more important playing certain teams than, than versus others. If this is like a cornerstone of the offense, I don't, you know, you're not accomplishing a ton with it, but I don't have any problem with it being part of what they do. I like the inverted screens more. If you have two guys of different sizes screening for each other, you know, inverted or regular, that's where you get more of the, the good stuff. If you're running a bunch of things that teams can just switch in, without really conceding mismatches, then you're not accomplishing a ton. Um, we've seen bigs in the dunker spot so far in the few clips we have seen. I expect to see guards and wings in there, you know, over the course of preseason, I'm sure they have been as well in practice. It's just not what we've seen so far. Uh, we have seen Damian Jones stretch out and take a three. I don't think we've seen Bryant take a three, but we have seen him on the perimeter, again, in some of those like handoff screening actions. We have seen the team enable, and Ham has talked about this, whoever gets the rebound, you can go run the break. This will be slower than you just have, than if you just have an outlet pass to a guard. Like I want most teams, you know, this is, this is a drill. You rebound, you pivot, you hit the outlet pass and, and that guy, you know, is catching closer to half court and then they can turn the corner and go down the court. That's an easier way to create two V ones and three V twos. When otherwise, if you get the rebound right in front of the rim and you dribble all the way down, you're probably not going to beat the other guys that are further from the rim than you, from, you know, when you were starting, it can still be good. Sometimes um, I don't like, there's no inherent advantage from my perspective of the guy who rebounded the ball, initiating the offense versus having one pass, and having someone else initiate the offense. This is part of the positionless basketball thing. It can be good. It can be bad. Um, the good with positionless basketball is, you know, you can just get into your offense quicker. And the earlier you get into your half-court offense, the better off you are. You're, you're not, you know, every two, three, four seconds extra you have could be an opportunity to not take a shot that you don't think is a great shot and then move the ball and look for something better. If, you know, if you catch the ball with two seconds left on the shot clock, with eight seconds left on the shot clock, you have different options. It's either, okay, I have to shoot, or maybe I have one dribble in a shot, or I can attack a closeout. I can pass it again. I can pass and follow my pass with the screen. Sorts of different things. So getting into your offense early matters. And this is something Milwaukee emphasized. Um, at least their data people have talked about it. So hopefully that carries over to the Lakers. And that's you know added value. You're picking up money off the ground if you get into your offense early. I don't know necessarily that this quite does it or not, depending on who's bringing the ball up the court. But all right, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll roll with it. We'll, we'll see how it looks. The bad of positionless basketball is putting guys in situations they're not really best at. If you have Russell Westbrook or LeBron James running the break, they're heads up, they're reading the floor, they're going to find open guys cutting to the rim, or they're going to read the defense and kick it out to the open three. If Thomas Bryant's running the break, or even Anthony Davis is running the break, there are certain reads as passers that they're good at, 
I don't have full confidence in their transition passing to read the defense and make the right read and, and find the cutter or find the open three-point shooter who's open because their man's one step too far away. Those are not really their wheelhouse. So you're, you're actively leaning into and you're choosing to not optimize your personnel on a play-to-play basis, which isn't quite my thing. But if you're just able to get into your offense quickly get, you know, and start running it, this is easier to, to play with more continuity-style offenses, which I'm not expecting to see, but maybe we'll see. That's, that's tougher to do with the 24-second shot clock. We'll see. I'm keeping an open mind. There's things I've liked, things I haven't liked, but again, it's tiny samples. We'll, we'll see uh, what it looks like in preseason game one and moving forward. Now, let's turn our attention to what to expect in that game one. But first, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we are back. There's a game tonight. What should we expect from the game tonight? In order to determine that, I think it's important we know what the team is likely working on or where are they in their stage of implementation. They've only been together for a little bit. They don't have everything installed already. This isn't going to be you know, you know, the full form of the offense. Um, there are certain things we should expect to see. Hey, this is about what it's going to be. There are other elements that, hey, they're not there yet. And so some of this is from my experience playing on teams. Some of this is from my experience coaching. Some of this is my experience being on analytics staffs for teams. Some of it is my experience consulting with teams, being in the film room for teams. I've gotten a lot of, a lot of experience exposure to different groups through that. And there tends to be a general framework. Coaches are pretty similar in terms of what they're installing when and for good, for good reason. You know, there's, there's a sense to this. And it aligns pretty well with what we've seen from Darvin Ham. Some of this is, you know, what he's talking about. Some of it is me filling in blanks with what I would expect. But here's the general order of impl- installation I would expect from Darvin Ham with this coaching staff, with the new team, new offense, new defense. First thing, especially for a defensive coach, and really for any team, what are our defensive shell principles? And this is, if I did, you know, make it as, this is what it is. Where do I stand based on where my man is and where the ball is? How do I react to cuts? How do I react to drives, to ball screens, etc.? Um, you start easy. Hey, the ball's in the left corner. If you're guarding a guy in the right corner, are you, is your head under the rim? Are you staying on the lane line? Are you two steps away? And, and, you know, not really considering it's Steph Curry or it's, it's you know, me standing over there. 
build in those fundamentals, build in your principles. When this happens, here's where the help comes from. Um, things like that. When a cut happens, here's how we defend cuts here. This is how, this is the Lakers defense. Um, when there's a ball screen, the off ball players, this is what we expect from you. Things like that. When the ball swung from the corner to the wing, here's now where you move. Because a lot of defense is positioning. And positioning isn't a stagnant thing. As the ball moves around the court, you should be in different positions because you need to be in position to help. Your help responsibility can be two different areas. You might be the one defending the rim or you might be the one sinking to help the helper, whatever it happens to be. But you want to be in position to get to that help. And you also want to be in position to get back to your man if the ball swung to your man. Whether you're one pass away or two passes away, like a you know, big skip pass away. Um, usually it's one pass away or more than one pass away or kind of the, that's the cutoff. Um, so those principles should be the first thing I expect, you know, what we see from the team defensively is probably what they want to be doing. The next thing is transitional offensive principles. When we have a two V one, what do we, what do we want to do? When we have a three V two. What do we want to do? Different teams will have different answers. Um, usually you want the ball in the middle of the court. And then do we want our guys each running to the corner threes and, and, you know, whoever's open takes the shot? Or do we want, you know, each guy running lanes and we're trying to get a layup or one guy running a lane, run, one guy running the corner? It, does it depend on personnel or do we have a set? This is what we do every time. What about a 4v3? Those sorts of principles, where are our running lanes? What are our running habits? That's stuff that you want to build in early. And then, you know, that'll be the difference between your transition, transition offense being efficient and not efficient is will, you know, in a quick situation, we don't have time to dilly dally. If you take an extra two seconds, the defense is back and it's not a transition look anymore. You need to be able to act quickly, make quick decisions. And enabling that is setting principles in place where you always know who's going where. So that should happen early. I expect we'll see the transition offense We'll be able to take a look at the transition offense and say this is what they want to do. Next thing is uh, building your base pick and roll defense uh, for this team. It's that center field drop coverage, and and you know that's why I, that's what I expect to see. I don't expect we're going to see a ton of switching and catch hedging and showing recover. If we see a mix of defensive coverages, I am going to be flabbergasted. That would be a tremendous surprise. That would be a really good news. I don't expect that though because you know they're still pretty early into what they're doing. Um, I would expect maybe we see drop and then some switching and, and it might be personnel based. It may say we're going to switch one through three or one through four and then drop with the five or we're going to say we're going to switch one through four and then if, uh, I don't know, if AD is the five, we're going to switch. That's what I expect to see. I don't expect to see, you know, hey, we're going to drop against this guy. We're going to uh, catch hedge against that offensive player. We're going to switch against that offensive player. You know, don't expect that as much. All right, let's see. Uh, next would be building in your secondary break kind of flow offense. If you're trying to run in transition and you can't, and, you know, it's five-on-five five basketball, we, you know, just got down the court, how are we initiating our offense? What are the easy actions we're going to get to? Um, in the past, for the Lakers, we've seen a lot of, like, quick pin-down screens under Vogel um, for this team. Again, small sample, don't know enough to say this is what they believe, like these are their principles, but I have seen them pass from, you know, pass from slot to slot and then go screen away for that Chicago action, pin down into a handoff. Or we've seen one slot dribble at the other and have that be a dribble handoff, like a guard to guard action or a big handing off to a guard. 
Um, those are examples of, okay, I dribble down the court. What are my options? Either I can, you know, attack and get to the rim. Great. If I, you know, pass to the wing, where do I go? If I pass to the other slot, where do I go? If I dribble at the wing or the slot, where do I go? That kind of, these are the like basic options we have. If I'm going to throw a skip pass, it's probably because that guy's open and he'll take a shot or he'll attack or he'll attack and close out. Um, but those are some of the basics I expect to see something with something from, um, don't think it's going to be fully built out. Probably won't have all the fun wrinkles in, but we'll have a sense for, you know, what are those fundamental actions the team's going to go to if they can't get into transition. And this is a little bit different from your just half court defense. You can, you can build out a lot more plays at a lot of specific formations. These are actions and you want to pick things that are best against the defense that's on its heels a bit. And there are certain types that work best against that. I cover those in the X's and O's course that, that we've been going through in the Discord. Um, but this is a little bit different from your half-court offense. Next are, you probably want to install a couple baseline out-of-bounds and sideline out-of-bounds plays. You might hear me call them blobs or slobs. Um, the Lakers ran, I've seen one so far in, in the video we've seen from the scrimmage. And it was an off, awesome sideline out-of-bounds play. There was a zipper cut, meaning uh, the... So Russell Westbrook started at the right block. The ball was being in inbounded from the right side of the court. He ran off of a screen from LeBron who started at the elbow. And Russ cut from the block out to the three-point line in pretty much a straight line. Just a zipper. Just straight line cutting out. It's usually not a scoring action, but it's usually something that allows him to get some separation from his man and catch an inbounds pass. That flowed into LeBron having just set that screen and being under the rim then running out to the left corner where I think it was Matt Ryan was standing and he took a couple steps in to set an exit screen, which is something that I love, really enjoy using um, when I'm drawing up plays. After Russ caught the ball, he got a ball screen from Thomas Bryant who was coming from the other elbow and then Bryant rolled down the right side of the court as Russ was driving down the left lane and LeBron was in the left corner as a kickout option and the inbounder kind of filled into the right wing. But there was nobody in the right corner there was nobody to, to be in great position to tag on the roll man. Um, Russ's guy had to just, you know, try to defend him. And LeBron's guy, who is starting under the rim, he might try to defend the drive. He might try to defend the roll. But if he does, he's out of position for LeBron in the corner for three. So this is a great play. It probably would have been my favorite last year if the team ran it. That is, you know, how high caliber it was. This is the type of action, ball screen with an exit screen or you know, I, I run a lot of ball screen with stack action. Those are cornerstones in every playbook I create, no matter what, you know, we're a four out one in, five out, um, you know, uh, one four high horns, whatever you're running. I want to get to that setup where I have a guard, I have a one five ball screen with a shooter under the rim and guys spacing out at, at, you know, each side of the court. You can run a lot of great stuff out of that. We only saw one play. It was a very high caliber play but they are in perfect situation to run other really fun stuff out of that that beats other kinds of defenses. So, so far so good. Haven't seen much, but I expect we'll see some basic like inbounds plays from the team when they have the ball like under the rim out of bounds or from that sideline position. All right. And then after that, you start building out your half court sets. All right, what are our play calls out of the four out one in or four out one dunker beyond our flow? What does that look like? Um, you build out some, you know, base sets there. I don't expect we're going to see much, maybe two plays. Maybe a couple more. We'll see. 
Um, then you build out how you're going to handle your what I would call automatics or kind of freelance where, all right, if we're going to isolate, where do we want guys to stand? If we're going to feed the post, where do we want guys to stand? If I feed the post from the right wing, do I cut through? Do I stay where I am? Do I, you know, screen away? Do I split cut? Like what, what are we doing in those situations? And then how do we react when a team is sending a dig to, you know, I, I feed AD from the right uh, wing and then my guys and go, goes and helps on AD. Do I stand still and try to catch and shoot? Do I cut? Do I go screen for somebody else? Like, how do we attack digs and how do we attack baseline help? How do we attack more of a like zone-ish like box coverage? Those are the like three things that I would, you know, try to be prepared against. I do not expect to see that today. But I do expect the team to have some idea of what they want to do in those situations by the time they get to the regular season because I expect this to be a team that isolates and posts up a decent bit. And then after that, that's when you start fleshing out, like, all right, we're going to build in more out-of-bounds plays. We're going to build in more half-court sets. We're going to add some horn sets. We're going to add some five-out sets. Like, you really want to flesh out. You don't want to be a team that runs five plays. Um, you can have your, like, core actions you want to get to, but you want to have a bunch of different, like, sets to get to that. Uh, so don't expect that today. I think at this point we should expect, you know, the shell defense to be what they want it to be execution may not be where they want it to be but they should at least know what to do transition offense they should know what to do they should know the base pick and roll defense there should be a couple secondary break kind of flows i expect a couple out of bounds plays not much for half court sets not much for post help beaters or iso help beaters and i don't expect you know really built out any particular one of these areas if they have 14 baseline out of bounds plays i'd say they're not allocating their time correctly <laughs> in practice. So that's kind of what I expect to see heading into tonight. Um, if I had to name three things I'm watching for specifically, I would say one of them is how the Lakers secondary break, like offensive flow is looking like, what are those go-to actions? Cause that's stuff we're going to see a lot this year. Um, that's going to get high usage because it's kind of like, all right, if we can't get to transition, we will go to this. Um, and it'll be more of a default than, all right, if we call play, it'll it'll be instead of our default. But if this is the default, I want to know how good that default is. Is it like really basic, boring stuff? Is it great stuff? Is it one action, then ISO? Like, what does that look like? I want to see how the half-court offensive spacing ends up looking with various combinations of players on court together. Does Russ, AD, and Jones work? Um, is it a huge spacing concern? And we have a sense for where these guys are as shooters. And there's, you know, we could see some growth, some regression there, hopefully growth. But also the offensive scheme, this, the spacing of where guys are standing and the spacing they create functionally through the types of attacks the team's running, is that able to elevate what the spacing otherwise would be? Because if so, that opens up more lineups that can work offensively. If not, like it hasn't been the past couple of years, it makes it so you have to have great shooters. And you're like, oh, no, I, I don't care that this guy's never played defense. I just need I just need shooters because otherwise, you know, we can't run offense. That is not a good place to be. That tells me your scheme isn't doing very well. Um, I want to get a sense for that. That'll tell us about the personnel. It'll tell us about the scheme. And then the last thing here is I want to see what roles players are used in. If a guy goes 4 for 4 or 0 for 4, I don't really care. Um, again, small samples, one game, whatever. First preseason game. doesn't matter. But – if I find out, oh, wow, okay, so uh, Pat Beverly is a wing stopper for this team, or Russell Westbrook is being used at the point of attack, or being used as a helper, 
or Austin Reeves is a primary ball handler offensively or a stationary shooter offensively. Um, Damian Jones, he's being used as a stretch big or a rolling cut big. Those things matter. How the team is trying to use guys means something to me. Whether the shots go in and out in a specific game doesn't mean anything to me right now. Um, So how the team is trying to attack, that's meaningful. That's what you should be watching for. So I think that's a, a good primer of you know what we've seen so far, what to expect, what to look for. Join us for the game tonight on Playback. This is a game starting at, what is it, 7.30 Pacific. Um, if you haven't used Playback, it is fantastic. We're going to be doing a lot on it this year. Basically, you can join the game feed. It'll be the Spectrum feed from your phone, your tablet, your, your laptop, your desktop, computer, whatever it is. It, you can even stream it from your like laptop to your TV. I think they're working on a TV app, but right now, n- not quite there yet. That's that's the one one uh, one of a couple things I, I'd say. Once they get it set up, they're you know that's really clicking things into place. Um, for now, laptop, phone, tablet, or stream it to your your uh, TV from one of those. We'll be watching the Lakers feed together. It'll be synced up. Um, we'll have a chat going that you know you, you can use like emojis and reactions and different things. We'll have polls in there. Um, you can customize the audio for your experience if you want to, you know, you, basically there are volume bars for the game itself in the Spectrum feed and then also for the stage. And on the stage, it'll be the speaker. So Tom won't be with us today because he is in class. Maybe he'll get out of class and join. But um It'll be me, and it'll be Taylor Wyman for this one, who does, you might know him if you listen to the Basketball Index podcast. He's a Lakers fan. He watches Lakers games. He knows Lakers. He'll be joining me. He's a former radio guy. He's very good at this stuff. The two of us will be calling the game, him more play-by-play, me analysis. Um, In the second quarter, and at halftime, we'll be joined by Lakers Guru, who you might know from Twitter and running the uh, awesome late-night Lakers show Spaces. Um, In the third quarter, we'll be joined by Bix, who if you're in the Discord, you know him. He's I think the sharpest, the smartest non-content creator you can find in the Lakers world. Um, tremendously valuable part of our Discord community. Um, he will be joining us in the third quarter. At halftime, we'll open up that state. So we'll probably share our initial thoughts. And then, um, so halftime and probably postgame as well, share our initial thoughts and then open it up to anyone in the audience who wants to raise their hand and join us on stage. Just kind of like a, a Twitter spaces. So, you know, if we need to be venting after the game or if, you know, we're – you know, you want to share your thoughts on how LeBron James looked in the first half during halftime, you can get on stage and share your thoughts. So I'm looking forward to that. You can, you know, customize exactly where the volume is for those two things to what makes the most sense for you or for that moment in the game. Um, For me, it's a wonderful experience because you get to enjoy the game together, talk with people, have that game chat all at the same time. There's no delay. There's no, I know for me, watching on like League Pass versus people who live in LA and have it on Spectrum, I might be 30 seconds behind. So if I'm on Twitter, I get things spoiled. If I'm in the Discord, you know, game thread chat, um, people might be seeing the game before me. With this, everybody's reacting at the exact same time to the same thing, which makes it all that much more fun. So that's, you know, such a fun part of this. We did these last year as a private Discord group. Um, Now it's being opened up to everyone. So all you need to join us is a valid subscription to a streaming or cable service that lets you watch Lakers games. So... For this game, it could be League Pass, it could be Spectrum, it could be YouTube TV, Hulu Live, whatever it is that would get you access to this game. If you have NBA TV, for this game specifically because it's on NBA TV, 
um, if you have League Pass or if you have like the Spectrum feed, you will be able to join us and we'll all be synced up to the Spectrum feed at the same time. It's super high quality. Um, so that's, you know, it's not like watching an illegal stream where it's, you know, really crappy. It's, it's good stuff. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. We'll get some polls out. We've got some, uh, some competitions, lots of giveaways. I'm looking forward to it. The stream is pristine. It's so much fun watching at the same time. We'll get that live analysis. Be breaking down the rotation, how guys are looking, the scheme, different things like that. Um, and so that's what it's looking like. Here's what I need from you. Go to my pinned tweet on Twitter. Click on that link. Click on that, you know, go find that now. And do that now for, for two things. I want you to do two things. One, bookmark that link because it'll be the same every time. This is our Lakers watch party link. Every time we do one of these games, you can go into that feed for every Laker game and watch the game with other Lakers fans and watch that game with us analyzing. It may not be me and Taylor. It might be me and Tom. It might be Taylor and Tom. Don't know exactly what that'll look like. Bix might be in there. But you can go to that same link. It'll be the same every time. So you can bookmark that. And then the second thing is, if you go in now rather than a minute before the game, what you will need to do is attach or connect your subscription to whatever it is to the playback interface. Um, playback can't just like illegally stream games to everyone. You have to say, hey, here's my login. I do have a League Pass login or here's my cable login. So you have to go in and, and link that up. It's pretty quick. I just say, hey, do it ahead of time rather than you know fumbling around looking for your, your password for whatever it is as the game is starting. Um, so do that and then it'll save that forever. Um, super low stress so then you can just hop in any game day and watch the games with us bunch of fun very easy shout out to playback for for having us as an official partner we are very much looking forward to that and and really really excited to watch the game together with y'all so that is what we have coming up today hopefully this give you a good primer of the team moving forward i want to get some more previews of like opponents and things like that but it's it's preseason i don't care <laughs> i'm not doing a deep dive of the kings right now it's all about the Lakers at this point in the year. How is our team doing? How are we progressing when it comes to installing our stuff, executing, you know, building out those concepts, health, synergy, all those different things. Who's, you know, shot is falling that we didn't think would be falling. Who's taking a step forward as a defender? Who's ready for more on-ball responsibility? Things like that. So very excited for the season. Uh, you know, I think as Lakers fans focusing on, you know, titles, 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 it can take away some of the fun in, in a year if you maybe aren't expecting that. But I think there's a lot to be excited about with this team. It appears the front office is pursuing the right kinds of trades that would put them, you know, in the title conversation. They're not there today, but, you know, it's no fun just, you know, disengaging from the season until they make that trade. It's, it's more fun enjoying that growth, seeing the progression, especially with the new coaching staff, especially with a scheme that it will be better than it was last year. It'd be hard to be worse. Um, so we're going to see better versions of these players, even if they're the same guys, because they're, you know, set up better through the, the X's and O's. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited. We will see you tonight. Join us on playback and, uh, I'll, uh, see you next pod. If you aren't already join our discord group, I guess that is the last thing here. Um, very fun group. We've got a lot of good stuff going on in there. We've got our game day thread. We've got different channels for, you know, the Mets are collapsing. So we've got our MLB chat where people are uh, talking about that, our football chat, um, trades. We have a, a channel that anytime like uh, Shams or Woj tweet something, it like automatically feeds into there and people will talk about it. All kinds of different things. 
um, that's where, you know, it, you know, these pods are once a week, maybe twice a week. You're able to get much more consistent content from me and others in there. That's where you get to see people like Bix and others that, you know, they're smart, awesome ads to the community. They're just not, you know, doing their own podcast or they're not, they're not a writer, but their analysis is smart as well. So join us over there. We have different tiers of access, but there's a whole bunch of great stuff you can get in the free tier. Um, but, you know, shout out to friends of the podcast, TJ Timotaji, um, for generously supporting the pod as an arena sponsor, as well as to Zach Harris, QDaddio, iPod Shuffle, Romario, Chamber Miguel, T. Shuttleworth, Omar, Eric, Roy, Doppel, and, oh my goodness, Abdul Rahman, I think. I'll, I need to get that. I'll, I'll connect with you and get that right. Um, for living the high life with us in the owner's box, and then also to our courtside and lower bowl crews for supporting what we do here. It really keeps us going. I think they're going to have some fun with the... Uh, we might have a special in-game chat where if you ask questions over there, I will answer it on playback. I'm not going to respond to everything that happens in the, you know, the feed if they're, you know, 50, 100, 200 people, 500 people and they're chatting. Not going to read everything, not going to respond to everything. But in that uh, special chat for that group, we will respond to those things. And then also the lower bowl group and, and everyone above them gets access to the film room channel, which is going to be popping soon because we will finally have some Lakers film. I've been going through every day. Lakers summer league film or Milwaukee Bucks film and I'm sick of it and I just want to see the actual team so rather than going through frame by frame every video the Lakers uh, team account tweets out we'll be able to actually watch basketball and break it down so I'll be doing that there we'll be doing it live tonight make sure to join us if you want to join the discord group and you know just get into the free group you know check it out maybe then upgrade or maybe if you want to upgrade immediately get to one of the higher tiers you can do so by checking out um, the link in my bio on Twitter or going to tinyurl.com slash supportlakersxpod. That's tinyurl.com slash supportlakersxpod. <laughs> All one word. Um, and we'll, we'll see you in there. It's a fun time. So take care, everyone. Can't wait to see you tonight. Let's go, Lakers.